sitting in my office reading a book by a dead guy. So then they picked dead mentors. Spurgeon, Calvin, Luther. Dead guys who are not going to actually get to know them or correct them. I have never read a book by a dead guy and had some thoughts in my head that occurred as a result of reading the dead guy's book where the dead guy began to argue with me. This is the Dead Guy Reader Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another uh, another episode, another edition, however you want to word that, of the Dead Guys Reader Society. My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts. I'm joined by uh, Mr. Drew Vonita, and we are uh, excited to be back with you. Thank you again uh, for those who have uh, have reached out and who have listened to the Dead Guide Reader Society and the feedback you've given to us. Uh, thank you so much for the merch that you've purchased. Um, uh, again, we hope you uh, you love it, that you wear it, that you you take pictures, and if you post them anywhere, you tag us in it. Um, and, uh, we, we've got, we've got some more stuff on the way as far as shirt ideas, cup ideas, uh, bro, maybe a good hat would be kind of cool too. I don't know where to get hats though. Like uh, on fire does I do. I do. I, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll connect. We'll connect about that. There's, there's a website I found. I meant to tell you about, but I haven't told you about, but I will tell you about. And so we'll see if we can get some hats going, bro. Cause that would be, bro, but the, the shirts that are coming. Dude, whenever I get those images from Alex, yeah, to put on shirts, yeah, I've, I'm like, I'm already anticipating the shirt that I'm gonna order. I can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we th- there's some cool stuff coming. So th- thank you to everybody who has uh, who's reached out. We've heard. Uh, uh, I, I got a call uh, from uh, Mr. Dwayne Atkinson um, uh, last week. Uh, he is, of course, the, uh, the the creator of the Bar Network, and um, uh, he's the executive producer of the Just Thinking podcast. And uh, uh, just just a just a good brother. He he called me actually and just said, "Hey, man, I just got to tell you what what uh, man what great work you guys are doing with the Dead Guy Reader Society. I love it. He's heard from from some people who have loved it. Um, so." Uh, so yeah, so just in case you you aren't aware, the Dead Guy Reader Society exists for those who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love to read the dead guys, those precious brethren who are no longer on this side of heaven, whose ministry and writings have stood the test of time, those who through their ministry still encourage, lift up, and contrary to what some wannabe dollar general play hireling pastors would say they, they they do argue with us were you gonna say plagiarism? uh yeah i was because i was thinking about driscoll and then i was thinking about dollar general driscoll so um but i, mean, uh, I guess technically you could say there's some plagiarism <laughs> right. if you're ta- talking about like taking ideas from say like song of solomon sermons and then like yeah. You could, I guess, you could say that. Yeah, you could. Players. You could. You know, the, the those who the, those who actually, you know, uh, uh, as opposed, brother, to those who actually uh, want to win souls, 
Right. And, and care about the charge. And, uh, you know, th- those who aren't lukewarm pastors, we'll, we'll, we'll say, is the ones you want to follow. As, uh, as sounds like something in the, in the book. I, it sounds like something that in this book that we're about to talk about. So, um, so that, that is, that is what the Dead Guy Reader Society is. Um, uh, we do want to take a second just as matter of theology. Uh, Dead Guy Reader Society, and of course, Mana for Today are, are the the programs that we have uh, on matter of theology. We do want to also recommend to you. Uh, there's a, a documentary that just released, um, and uh, it is Uncle Tom Two. Um, un- the original Uncle Tom has been out for a while. You can actually watch that for free now. But Uncle Tom Two is out as of the recording of this episode. Um, and if you head on over to the website, I believe it's Uncle Tom Documentary. Um, I'll, I'll put the website in the show notes. But if you want to order your copy of Uncle Tom Two and you use the code Bar Network, all uh, all uppercase, all one word, uh, Bar Network, you do get thirty percent off. Uh, of Uncle Tom 2. It is, uh, I have not seen it yet. I have seen the trailer, but we know two of the guys who are in there. Uh, that, of course, would be Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, hosts of the Just Thinking podcast. Uh, they were asked uh, to, to to play a pre- pretty big role in this one, as is Dr. Vody Bauckham, uh and a whole host of others. So, um, so check it out, Uncle Tom 2. Uh, use the code bar network, get 30% off. So uh, now on to today's episode of the Dead Guys Reader Society. Today, we are going to be looking at a magnificent, magnificent little book. Um, little. Huh? Little book. Little book. I mean, mm. literally this. Um, this, if well, I, this version. This, this version. version. Correct. Okay. Yes, I mean, the, yeah. the original version is is still a little book. Yeah, because it's the longer version is only like 72 pages. That's right. Okay. But this one is only 30 31 pages, 31 pages. Um, this is the I'm going to I'm going to let Drew get into this. But this is the book that actually uh, through conversation. Again, I'm going to let Drew unpack this and we'll, we'll chop it up as we're as we're talking about this. This was the book that really kind of launched um, the idea of the Dead Guys Reader Society. Um, and so you'll hear more about that shortly. But this book is uh, by a gentleman by the name of Horatius Bonar, uh, Dr. Horatius Bonar. I'm going to, I'm going to, Make sure to say his name correctly, right. um, and uh, and you'll find out why here in a minute. And um, but uh, Horatius Bonar uh, was born in 1808, um, and he, much like John Owen, Thomas Watson, um, he he was a very 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 smart man. He was ordained in, into ministry in 1837. Uh, Scottish pastor. Um, in 1843, he joined the Free, Ch- uh, Free Church of Scotland, uh, and he garnered a reputation of being a hymn writer, um, and 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 just just a masterful. Um, he just was masterful with words. Um, he's written many works um, and uh, many hymns, many poems. Um, and, uh, just, just, a, just an amazing, amazing, amazing pastor. Um, and, uh, some of the hymns that you may have heard of, uh, that, that, that Dr. Bonar did pen, uh, uh I, I heard the voice of Jesus say thy way, not mine, O Lord. And, uh, there's a, there's a hymn used often in communion entitled here 
O my Lord, I see thee face to face. He was the older brother of Andrew Bonar, um, and um, just uh, just just an incredible man. He um, a pastor, a shepherd, um, and 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 again gave us many many great works. Uh, he actually died in 1889, um, and again, just like Owen, just like Watson. Here we see uh, his ministry uh, through his the music that he wrote, uh, as well as books like this and uh, and other biographies that he's written. Uh, Robert Murray McShane. Um, well, that was his brother Andrew. I'm sorry, Andrew. Correct. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, but uh, but yeah. So that we're going to be talking about his book today, uh, and uh, the short version of his book entitled "Words to Winners of Souls." And, um, my goodness, I, I had not, uh, I had not read this book. Um, uh, Drew had been telling me about it for a little bit. And then as, as we've been sitting down and just kind of talking through and planning through episodes of the dead guy reader society, um, he mentioned it. I'm like, man, I got to get that. And so, uh, he sent me the link that I will put in the show notes. You can get this, uh, literally for $5 on Amazon. Um, and it is, if you have prime, it's at your house in two days and, um, it's, it's a, but, but it's a, it's a heavy, heavy book to read through. So that's a little bit about Benar. Um, there's more I could say, but, uh, we wanted to take some time and just kind of, kind of give the background of, of, uh, of this book, uh, to us. So without further ado, I'm gonna turn it over to my brother, Mr. Drew Vonita. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Andrew Benar wrote the biography of Robert Murray McShane because yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew Benar and McShane were actually best friends. That's right. Um, and actually Andrew Benar has a book called the diary. I think it's called the diary and life of Andrew Benar. That's another uh, really good devotional book. And it's really, if you get it, it's, it's actually like a book on prayer. If you, if you really mm. want to do that. Um, <clears throat> but so yeah, this book words to winners of souls. So, Bro. Right. So we had, right. We heard Dollar General Mark Driscoll talking about um, how he reads the dead guys. And as you guys hear in our introduction, right. But when you read the dead guys, right, what you pull away from it is just what you get from it. They don't argue with you, they don't argue right. back with you. Right. Well, <clears throat> I heard about this book through another podcast that I listen to regularly mm-hmm. called The Whole Council, which is yeah. done by John Snyder, uh, Dr. John Snyder. And they were Excellent. actually talking about uh, revival and ba- more along the lines of Puritans and revival. And they mentioned this book, uh, which was uh, composed by Horatius Benar. And what Horatius gets into and what he references a lot of is the re- Puritan revival in Scotland in 16 something or another. I forget the dates, but basically what happened was these, these Scottish pastors came together and they said, we we long for revival in Scotland. And if uh, what what we need to do is we need to come before the Lord. We need to confess our sins as ministers Mm -hmm. before the Lord. Yeah. And so they did that and they drafted this document, really long document, confessing all of their sin as ministers. I mean, sins of selfishness and greed and pride and all these things. And then the Lord used that and brought revival to Scotland. Right. And Bernard kind of took that as a framework and wrote this. And so when I, when I, I heard that I immediately got this book 
and and I started reading it. And it really does hit you like a ton of bricks for anyone who's in ministry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then when I when I heard, when we heard Dollar General Mark Driscoll talking about that, I said, you know what? I'm going to get this book and I'm going to send it to him. So if he ever hears this, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was me that sent you the book. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, and now the thing is, is though I, I sent him the book. And when he got it, he he intentionally mispronounced his name. Yeah. Because if you if you see Bernard's name or you read it, you think of something right a little more graphic, right? If you're um, a middle schooler. If you're if you're a middle schooler, yeah. yeah, that's true. If you're a middle schooler, you would you would be a little crass in your joking about his name. Well, that's what this guy did. From the pulpit on the Lord's pulpit, day, on the Lord's day. <clears throat> and then he, and then he then proceeded to act like he actually knew who Horatius Benar was saying, re, basically reading the back, the of, back the of the book, book saying, Oh, he was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon and JC Ryle. And uh, <clears throat> which is exactly on the back of this book. Right. Um, but then <clears throat> I found it so crazy because he said, in there, he said, if the Lord can use a guy like Horatius, what could he do with you? And I'm going, you have no clue who Horatius is. Because nope. if you did, you would be saying, I don't measure up to even someone like Horatius. Um, which is usually how a lot of people feel when they read Robert Murray McShane and Andrew right. Benar and then Horatius Benar. They go, Am I even a Christian? Because I don't measure right. up to even these men. So if he actually knew who Horatius was, he would not have said that. But basically, <clears throat> that led into going, hey, we should, we should, and it, it started out as a joke, um, right, right. going, hey, we should just do a, another podcast called the Dead Guy Reader Society. Yep. And then we just... I made the the hashtag Dead Guys Reader Society yeah, shirt yeah, and just yeah. threw it on the on the page. The proud reader of the Dead Guys shirt threw that on the page, um, basically just as a joke. And then it was just like, well, actually, we should do that, and we should go over some of these books. Yeah, yeah. And so, but this book specifically, this is this is a must-have book if you desire to enter into the ministry. Yeah. If if, if you feel the call of ministry on your life. You need to start with this book. If you are in ministry, you need to stop and you need to get this book and you need yeah. to read it. Yeah, um, agreed. I already know several people who have already got it and messaged me and said, "Hey, I it just arrived today. I got the book. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start reading it." Yeah, and it's a book that, <clears throat> and even uh, Dr. John Snyder, um, who is someone I tr- I truly respect, he re- he tries to read through this book at least once a year. Um, yeah, it's good, and. This book will humble you yep. and it will make you go, it, it will actually reveal your heart to you. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as you and I have talked, it's like, man, you know, I can go through and I can point out a lot of people, right? I, I can highlight this and I can attach names to this statement. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately, I can go, yeah, but I can attach my, my name right at the front of all those names. Um, <clears throat> because yeah, brother. It's so convicting. Yeah, I you know going back to um, just just going back just for a minute. Um, anybody, let, let me just 
say this and then we'll, we'll, we'll get off of that subject, but anybody who stands in the pulpit on the Lord's day um, and, and mispronounces a, a dear saint's last name to be crass because they're holding on to a level of carnality that is conduct unbecoming a, of a pastor is unqualified. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, and that's your pastor, I would challenge you to search, pray, consult your family, seek wise counsel about possibly finding another church, because that's a man who does not take seriously the charge that's been given to him. Right. Period. Um, There's no excuse for that. And I, I remember hearing that when he said it and then Horatius, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a yeah. little chuckle and then, and then stopped for the crowd yeah, stopped for the crowd reaction which of course people laughed and um then my, my goodness that's just childish mm-hmm. childish so um m- moving into something something you just you know said and, and i want to echo and and reinforce is uh like you i could i could read through this and 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 i told you there were a couple of times that i uh, that I did have those thoughts like that. I've, I've seen that or heard that in this person or that person. Um, but honestly, honestly, um, if you looked through my copy of this now, um, you would see a lot of uh, notes in the margin that say, ouch, mm-hmm. or that describes me, or I need to repent. Uh, I actually wrote that out um, in the section where he's talking about secret prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so, I mean, this, I would I would agree with you that anyone anyone considering or involved in, um, uh, in ministry from uh, a pastoral uh, shepherding standpoint to um, I mean just being involved in, in in ministry if you're a husband I, w- I would challenge you to read this if a uh, husband a father um, as as you are leading a ministry in your home um, if you are a, a, a single mother or single parent, uh, uh, a mom, oh, I, I would challenge you to get this book and to read it and to spend time with it and allow, um, you know, um, allow the words penned and, and the repentance shown um, in, in this book uh, to, to affect you and, 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 and challenge you and argue with you as it should. Um, the reason that, that I think, uh, brother, that you so very, 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 well state that anyone who is considering um, ministry or involved in ministry should read this book um, is because in the Western evangelical church today, those who profess to be Christians, there is this level of lukewarm lukewarmness, if that's a word, um, that there's a level of holding on to and allowing carnality um, in and through what is done in the church. Um, and, and, and the culture of any organization, whether that be a church or a business, a family is set forth by its, by its leader ultimately. And of course, the, of course the church is the bride of Christ. And so, so the church should take on the DNA of Christ. Mm. That's what should happen. The pastor, the under shepherd should take on the DNA, um, of, of the chief shepherd. Um, of, of course, realizing that absolute extreme ownership of the church is d- does belong to Christ. However, the way the way you approach your ministry matters. And um because there are so many lukewarm pastors is why we have so many lukewarm churches. Mm-hmm. 
because these pastors are not taking ownership of their position and their position is as a slave of Christ. And so um, the first thing I, I wanted to pull from the book is, is right on first page, chapter one. Um, and uh, l- listen to what he says. He says, quote, the lukewarm ministry of one <laughs> that's what I have highlighted <laughs> nice of one who is theoretically orthodox is often more extensively and fatally ruinous to to souls than that of one grossly inconsistent or flagrantly heretical mm-hmm. and then he quotes Cecil Fletcher he said and Cecil Fletcher says this he says what man on earth is so pernicious a drone as an idol minister said cecil and fletcher remarked well that quote lukewarm pastors make careless christians period close quote yep yeah all right well if that doesn't argue with you uh, (laughs) (laughs) from from the first page in the second paragraph right right (laughs) right i mean how dangerous lukewarm is right and right so just the idea of lukewarm is useless. There, there's, there's, there's no use for it, for anything right. that's lukewarm, right? Correct. You can use hot water, you can use cold water, but lukewarm is, is nothing. And those ministers, I, I like how he says, theoretically orthodox. Mm-hmm. They're appearing to be orthodox. They seem orthodox. They say some of the right things. They do some of the right things. But just doing and saying some of the right things, he says that's that's more dangerous. Oh, that's but they get the gospel right. Yeah. But they, oh, yeah. But they get the gospel right. Well, okay. Hold on. Because <clears throat> that's exactly. <laughs> man, I'm glad you said that. That's exactly that's why I said that. That's exactly this issue. Okay. <clears throat> if let's say, let's say, you know, someone follows a ministry. Let's say, I don't know, Eric Mason. Okay. Let's okay. pull a pull a guy, a, a woke guy out of a hat. Okay. Eric Mason. Eric Mason's done a lot of things about manlyhood and fatherhood and, and things like that, right? We would say, we would say, hey, those are those are some great, great tools, right? right. But he holds to a false gospel of a social gospel and a woke gospel. Yep. He wrote the book, actually wrote the book, Woke Church. Church. And because he holds to a false gospel, uh, when he gives the gospel, just because he may get the words of the gospel right, doesn't mean it's the same gospel. It's, he's actually basing it on a false Christ, which is a Christ that can't save you. Now, let's say you have someone who's not woke, okay? Let's say you have someone who is probably Calvinistic in their soteriology, someone who uh, doesn't want to deal with all this black and white nonsense, right? Um, right. Someone who is theoretically orthodox to say, and well, but they get the gospel right, Okay. They may get the principles of the gospel right, but then does their life reflect that they have been changed by the gospel? That's another marker we have to look at. Can I tell from this person, from this pastor, that their life has been impacted by the gospel? Because it will come out in the way that they speak and in the way that they act, especially 
from the pulpit and then also in private or mm. or let's say i don't know a group of acts 29 pastors at a cohort that are sitting around a mellow mushroom table dropping the f-bomb yep. uh right y- y- you know i mean i'm drinking just, a ton of beer drink drinking beer i mean i'm I'm just saying theoretically it might have happened. Yeah, I I'm 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 also speaking in theoretical hi, you know hypothetical hypotheticals. Um it really happened terms. So Right. But but that's ex- those are exactly the things that Horatius is is getting at here when he talks about the lukewarm theoretically orthodox minister. He appears to do the things right, but he's and I like how you said it because we talked about it yesterday or was it yesterday? I think it was living in the carnalities of the flesh. Correct. That, that that's what, what a lot of ministers today are doing. Oh, but, but he, 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 he has his theology set. Okay, great. Does he apply it? And that's because if if he doesn't apply it, then it's not set. Right. It's not set. If, if, If you're, if your theology if your theology, your study of God, your understanding of who God is, your understanding of who Christ is, your understanding of what the church is and what her function is, who her head is, who her king is, if your theology is so set, you will not stand from the pulpit and make a mockery of the word and a mockery of the church by turning it into your comedy hour, by saying things like mispronouncing this gentleman's name for a joke based out of course inappropriate, familiar jesting that everybody knows you're going to do because that's who you are, then your theology is not set. Now, on one hand, brother, you know, when when we're talking about people like this and we're talking about situations like this, I can identify with Paul in Philippians chapter one, right? That that there are some who are preaching the gospel for, um, you know, uh, for for selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, as Paul says in Philippians 117. And Paul, Paul is Paul is still thankful that the gospel, right. that the that the words are being spoken, that the gospel is being proclaimed, and amen and right on to that. I identify with Paul there. At the same time, at the same time, I look at this and go, you are in the like you are in the position of being a mouthpiece for Christ when you step into that pulpit, preacher. Christ should speak through you. There should be nothing that comes out of your mouth that is not that is not fueled by or 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 just pushed by the very words of Christ found in the Word of God. That means no coarse jesting, n- n- no language. Um, uh, uh, stop! Stop making jokes. Stop making comments about. Preach Christ. Mm-hmm. Preach the Word. You have everything you need in the word, unpack it and apply it. And, and, and when you don't do that, what you end up having are, is, is a lukewarm pastor. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? That makes, and I love the way, the way he, the, he, he quotes Fletcher, makes careless Christians. And do we not see this mm-hmm. today? We see this, you walk into any given church on the Lord's day, and this is what you see. Now, look, I understand there's no perfect church. There's not. I love the way R.C. Sproul used to put it. And if you find one, as soon as you walk through the doors, it's no longer perfect because you're there, right? Like that, 
is very true. However, is there, is there a level of reverence and fear? Because if your theology is set, if you have, if, if, if the gospel and the whole counsel of God has truly taken root in your life, you are not going to get up there and make it about you. Right. And then, but he, he closes out this paragraph. Can the multiplication of such ministers to whatever amount be counted as a blessing to a people? It's a great question. It is a great question. Right. And, and that, that's where, right. Say, say you're a pastor, right. And you're raising up elder qualified men. Okay. Ask yourself the question. Are the men that you're multiplying, the men that you're discipling, the men that you're raising up, are they actually worth sending out? Because that's a reflection on you and you're discipling them. Yeah, yeah. Are you multiplying yourself or are you trying to, to, to multiply Christ? Oh, bro. See, that's so good. And, and he gets into that very next paragraph. When the church of Christ and all her denominations returns to primitive example and walking in apostolical footsteps seeks to be conformed more closely to inspired models, allowing nothing that pertains to earth to come between her and her living head, then she will give more careful heed to see that the men to whom she entrusts the care of souls, however learned and able should yet be more distinguished by their spirituality, zeal, faith, and love. Boom. Say law. Pause and meditate. (laughs) So that's page one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Page one. (laughs) Uh, Oh man. (laughs) I mean, and it's almost, it is almost like every single page. Mm. Oh man. It's not just every single page. There's one or two lines. It's every single page. There's one or two paragraphs Yeah, that are just chock full of, of, of just richness that mm. uh, pummels you in the face, right? Yeah. It gives you, it gives you the godly right hand of fellowship across your face. You know, <laughs> that's what it gives you. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, that, and, and brother who, you know, when he quotes people, um, the quotes he brings in, I'm, I'm just like, he, he quotes on the, on the next page, he he was talking about preaching Mm -hmm. and he quotes Roland Hill and listen to this. It says rash preaching disgusts, timid preaching leaves poor souls fast asleep Bold preaching is the only preaching that is owned of God. Yep. yep. Bro. Yeah. And, and, and how, how often have we heard rash preaching? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <clears throat> preaching that even, even if it may be correct, it's it's more responding to something or mm-hmm. reacting. Reacting is a better word. Reacting right. yep. to something yep. and Instead not of responding, responding yep. to something. Yep. Um, it's just spur of the moment. And then timid preaching, I'm scared. Well, it leaves you fast asleep. There, there's nothing to excite the soul. There's nothing that sets the soul on fire for Christ. Mm. But bold preaching. And I can almost hear... I can almost hear Dr. Lawson in this. Yes. Yeah, I can too. <clears throat> Bold preaching 
Okay. <laughs> that's the only preacher that's owned by God. I mean, I mean, the closer you get to the fire, the hotter it's going to be. I mean, <laughs> you do a good Steve Lawson, man. I can, I, I can hear it in my head. Why? Because bold preaching brings forth the full counsel of God. It doesn't mm. hold anything back. It, it's not afraid of being, it, it's not afraid of the criticisms that might come. Right. It bold preaching is the preaching that says, This is what the word of God says. I must declare it because, because God says that is my job and I must because I love you. Right. And it's bold preaching that that sets the heart on fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bold preaching that uh that that lays out the case, right? You read the text, you 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 teach from the text. Um, you explain the text, um, but then you, you know, you have to, as, as many would say about Jonathan Edwards, you got to fire the gun, meaning you've got to call the will with the text Mm -hmm. and, 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 and the way, the way you do it matters. And, um, brother, it's going to be, I'm just going to go and say, it's going to be so hard for me not to read full paragraphs. uh, Oh, no, I've got an entire section. The very next section I have blocked out. Oh, I, I do. I, the next section, the so one, two, three, four, five, six. So there are six paragraphs. I have five of them highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the very next paragraph after the Roland Hill quote, mm-hmm. um, I, I think is 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 important in 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 talking about what what the minister may be doing. Um, and he says, uh, he says this, so I'm going to read this and then I'll, you know, and then we'll get into the next section, uh, as far as to win souls. But he says, it's, it's not merely unsoundness in faith or negligence in duty or open inconsistency of life that mars the ministerial work and ruins souls. A man may be free from all other scandal, either in creed or conduct, and yet may be a most grievous obstruction in the way of all spiritual good to his people. He may be a dry and empty cistern, notwithstanding his orthodoxy. He may be uh, may be freezing or blasting life at the very time he is speaking of the way of life. He may be repelling men from the cross, even when he is in words proclaiming it. He may be standing between his flock and the blessing, even when he is in outward form, lifting up his hand to bless them. The same words that from warm lips would not drop as the rain or distill as the dew fall from his lips as the snow or hail, chilling all spiritual warmth and blighting all spiritual life. How many souls have been lost for want of earnestness, want of of solemnity, want of love in the preacher, even when the words uttered were so were precious and true. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man, like when was the last time, brothers and sisters, when was the last time you heard a preacher preach in that way? Right. That not only, not only what not only were the words true, but the way he preached those words with boldness mm-hmm. and conviction and want and earnestness and a desire for the souls in his care to repent mm-hmm. yeah, and it's to a, turn to Christ. Go ahead. It's a sincerity. And it's right, a, that's a, good, it, yeah, it's a, good a heart position of the pastor right. that comes from actual love for the flock. 
Right, right. Um, but not just love for for the flock that's under his care, but love for those who maybe the spirit has drawn in that are not yet believers. Correct. That's good. Okay. So so there needs to be that sincerity in what you're saying, because people because if you don't believe what you're saying, people oh, yeah. can tell you don't believe what you're saying. Yeah, authenticity is yeah, communicable. Yeah, you, you what you're saying might might be true, but if 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 I can tell that you don't even believe it's true, why should I believe it's true? Or if you say you care about me, but then you're not you're not pleading, mm-hmm. you know, pleading with me to repent. It's like so often people say that Calvinists, you know, Calvinists are not evangelists, and that if you're a Calvinist and you believe in the predestination, if you uh, you know, then, then what's the point of evangelizing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's it is the Lord's sovereignty and predestination to going back to Dr. Lawson. I've heard him talk about this a bunch, that that guarantees success in evangelism. Right. So we do earnestly plead for those who who have who have not turned to Christ and and and, and repentance of sin to, to to repent and believe and be baptized. Like we we beg them to do so. You know, I how many times, like going back to what we we're saying, well, they get the gospel right. Well, look, if you take look, if you are preaching on a, on a, on a Lord's Day as a pastor, if you're a pastor, shepherd, or elder out there, and you're preaching on the Lord's Day, and you just tack on the gospel at some point in your sermon, but aren't begging. Uh, and when I say begging, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean that in, in a negative. But maybe maybe a better word is pleading. Mm-hmm. pleading for behold today is the day of salvation i would urge you brothers sisters turn to christ we are not guaranteed tomorrow you we are not guaranteed another breath every breath we receive is a mercy of god as jonathan edwards said we are we are but 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 one breath away from the hell we so rightly deserve mm-hmm. because of our sin but it's by god's sheer grace that he hasn't cast us there already stop repent believe on christ you know, turn like when was the when was the last time you heard that? When was the last time when you shared the gospel that that's how you shared it? Right. Like, don't be so proud not to beg people to heaven. Right. Right. Well, I mean, just thinking about uh, in, in everyday life, people. Right. Th- this is this is a section that can easily be applied to just the regular. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> so, th- think about people. Who who may be in your family that don't know Christ that are yeah. in sin, you yeah. know, maybe they're in homosexuality or whatever. Right. And yes. and here, but here's the thing: you're so afraid to give them the gospel because you're afraid you will be viewed as judgmental mm-hmm. and unloving. Okay. Either go wrestle with the devil and say, "Not my kid." And, and 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 pull them into the light, kicking and streaming if you have to, mm. right? Otherwise, you know what you're saying. I don't care if you burn in hell because I, as long as I'm not viewed as judgmental, right? Mm. That's that's essentially what what you're saying. And so the, the pastor here, who is standing in the way, right? Who who does not have the earnestness? Who does not have the sincerity? Who does not? Who is not pleading? With the people, turn from sin, cling to Christ. He's not waging war for his congregation. No. 
And in this pastor that's being described by Horatius Benar, he he's saying that he this pastor basically does not would not care if anyone in his flock went to hell. Yeah. That's what their actions are saying. Yep. 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 A- amen, brother. Amen. Well, that's it. I mean, you just can't tack it on and just go live the life that we could and die the death that we deserve and think, oh, I shared the gospel today. Well, yeah. Okay. You, you, you got some of the, you know, some of the gospel in there. Yeah, you sure did. Mm-hmm. You sure did. But where was the, you didn't fire the gun, right? You loaded it up. You know, you may have even put your finger on the trigger, but you didn't pull it. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you didn't identify your target. You didn't present a, sh- a shooting, a shooting solution and you didn't break the shot. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? And why do we all do this, right? As believers, right? Going back to what you were just saying is because ultimately we fear man more than we fear God. Yeah. Yeah. I fear, I I fear how I'm looked by people. Yep. Yep. I've been, now, man, I've been called a lot of names. I got so (laughs) many people that, that they see me coming there. The crazy thing is people think I love to argue and I'm like, um, they totally do. I'm like, dude, the less argument that I was in, you started. Um, it wasn't me. I didn't even say anything. Yeah, you yeah. brought this, you asked me a question and yeah. I just answered it. And then you went off the rails. I don't understand. So it's the people who say that though, typically are the ones who are argumentative. Like I, I the, yeah. the, look, there, there are two guys on Facebook for me, just aside here. There are two guys on Facebook for me who do that. I, I could share like, okay, earlier, let me get my phone earlier. I shared um, uh, a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, oh, and it's gone now. But um, anyway, um, it was about Scripture being a, a a balm to every hurt or or you know something that that we experience, right? So I can post that. I can post lyrics to songs uh, like in Christ alone. You know, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. I po- I posted that quote recently. Okay. Right. These are, these are brothers who I've I've done ministry with, I've I've played music with. And these two guys, these two guys will, will not like or, or share or comment on anything unless they disagree with it or it's something that steps on their toes. Yeah. They're the ones who are argumentative. Yeah. Yeah. I've got two guys like that too. And, um, and I called them out on it. Oh, I have to, I said, I called and, and one I, of the guys. I well, like, I called him out in, in front on the actual post that mm-hmm. they were arguing about. And I, I, remember said, that. I said, dude, um, I never, you, you, and this other person, you never comment unless it's on something you disagree on. Yeah. So, so what is your purpose in, in coming on here or in whatnot? To so be argumentative. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm not the <laughs> like, one that goes and starts arguments, but right. yet. There are certain people in my life that I'm really close with that think <laughs> right. I just love to argue. And I'm like, I don't start any of these arguments. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a little side there. Um, now this next section, brother, we were just talking about, man, is, is one of the best in the whole book. And, and it kind of, I mean, it, it, again, we're talking about this, this theme, but, but Horatius here just lays it out, right? Lays it out. We take for granted that the object of Christian ministry is to convert sinners and to edify the body of Christ. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. No faithful minister can possibly rest sure of this. Applause, fame, popularity, honor, wealth, 
all of these are vain. If souls are not one, if saints are not matured, our ministry itself is vain. Yes. Sila. This this gets into something I've said before. <clears throat> and a lot of people view the success of a church numerically. Correct. How many people come in and how much money they have. But these things at the end is what defines success of a church. Amen. Winning souls. Simple. Maturity. We can also, I would also add growing in holiness. Right. It is a way that I would probably rephrase that. Right. Right. Yes. Right. So bringing people to Christ, discipling them in holiness. Yep. That is the sign of a successful church. Yeah, absolutely. And then well, and then and then he gets into asking asking some some fantastic questions. Yeah, I've got that section blocked out too. I I, I just said wow. I wrote wow out. Why don't you go through some of those, man? Yeah. So he says uh, <clears throat> the question therefore, right? So remember, we're following right on the heels of if souls are not one, if saints are not matured, our ministry is in vain. Mm. The question therefore, which each of us has to answer to his own conscience, is. Has it been the end of my ministry? Has it been the desire of my heart to mm. save the lost and guide the saved? Wow. Stop right there. Mm-hmm. Has that been the end of your ministry? Right. Has, has that, is that what you're going for? To save the lost and then to guide the saved. Conversion, discipleship. Okay. Right. Continuing on. Is this my aim in every sermon I preach, in every visit I pay? Mm. And I'm going to stop right there in reference um, to Baxter, Richard Baxter, because I think that's who he's, he might still be pulling from Baxter some um, in this section. Some, um, yeah. Richard Baxter, Puritan preacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, his most famous work, I think, is the Reformed Pastor. It actually might be something else. I don't remember what it would be. I know Reformed Pastor's up there, though. But what he would do is he had a congregation of about 800 people. And Richard Baxter would make visits every day to some of the people in his congregation. And he would catechize them and make sure that they were growing in holiness. Why? Because mm. that's the job of the pastor. Yes. So Wait, is what's the job not- of the pastor again? Oh, to to catechize them and make sure they're growing in holiness? Okay, got it. Okay. So is this the aim in every sermon I preach? So is is are the sermons that you preach, are they evangelistic? Right? Are they calling, mm. are they calling the sinner, which all of us are, right? Yeah. The the gospel is not just for the lost. The gospel is for the saved too. The gospel is for the lost because they need to be saved, and the gospel is for the saved because we forget it. Well, I, I, I've referenced this often. I'm not going to quote it directly, but it's Paul Washer who said the in, initial look at the gospel is what the Lord uses to save. A continual look at the gospel is what the Lord uses to sanctify. That's right. That's right. So your sermons need to be evangelistic. Right. <clears throat> they need to call the sinner to repentance. Yep. Lost and saved. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in every visit that you pay. So not just, not just your uh, weekly small group. Okay. But 
pastors should actually be making visits to the people in his congregation. That's right. Um, and so, you know, I do get, man, I'm going to be honest. I get kind of tired of referencing Dollar General Mark Driscoll. <clears throat> but one of the things that kind of does irritate me is that I was a member. I became a member of that church in 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't until the internship in 2019 that I actually had my first, well, yeah, which is two years later, that he and I actually sat down and he actually got to know me. And some of the things that I had been through and that I had went through with my family and things like that, it wasn't until two years later. Now, I had been serving at the church since actually I had been serving since before I even became a member, I was helping with the youth. Uh, I was helping with them since 2016, I believe. Okay. Um, then I became a member officially in 2017. And it wasn't until two years later that that pastor actually got to sit down with me because I was an intern and it was only about 45 minutes. And this, some of the things I told him, his jaw hit the floor <laughs> because he was like, I never would have known any of that um, because you don't act like anything has ever been wrong in your life. <clears throat> like, well, I don't harp on things and dwell on things. I move on from them. Um, but it shouldn't take a pastor two years to know someone who is especially actively serving at their church. Your pastor should be getting to know each and every person under his care. Well, Drew, there's no way you can do that in a, in a big church. Actually, you can. You know, you know what I find amazing is listening to the MacArthur Center podcasts mm-hmm. because John MacArthur in Grace Community Church, how many members are of that church? Oh, yeah. Goodness. A lot, right? Yeah. Thousands. And, now, John, it's hard for him to disciple each person, which is why they have a plurality of elders. Correct. But John knows each one so much so that whenever something happens, mm-hmm. he's always like the first one at the hospital. Yeah. He and Patricia always beat everybody there. They beat everyone there to be with that person because That's they right. know them and they care about them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that just I, I find that amazing. And and what's even more amazing is John in doing that, Dr. Dr. MacArthur in doing that for over 50 years is on the fourth generation of people, probably yeah. under his yeah. care. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. But uh I mean, let's continue on. Yeah. Well, it's so he says there, he says there it is uh after that, after after in each visit I pay, he says is it under the influence of this feeling that I continually live and walk and speak? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is <laughs> that's convicting. Uh, is it for this I pray and toil and fast and weep? Is it for this I spend and am spent counting it next to the salvation of my own soul? my chiefest joy to be the instrument of saving others? Is it for this that I exist? To accomplish this, 
would I gladly die? Have I seen the pleasure of the Lord prospering in my hand? Have I seen souls converted under my ministry? Have God's people found refreshment from my lips and gone upon their very way rejoicing their, their way rejoicing? Or have I seen no fruit of my labors and yet am content to remain unblessed? Am I satisfied to preach and yet not know of one saving impression made, one sinner awakened? Now I wanna uh, I wanna hit something right there because some people will say of all the things that we were talking about before well i've seen results Mm -hmm. i've seen people changed i was thinking the exact same thing right i I, i've seen lives changed i I, i've seen the increase right the lord has brought the increase and i've seen it Mm -hmm. okay but is it an increase from this type of pastor or is it an increase from the lukewarm type of pastor because the lukewarm type of pastor is going to produce what? The careless Christian, which is just a, a, a multiplication or, or a, a copy of himself. But this type of pastor that we're reading about in this section, he's going to produce the one willing to lay down his life for the flock. Like, and that's what he says to accomplish this, to accomplish the salvation of others, to, mm. to, to accomplish these things. Would I gladly die? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amen. And then, and then in the very next sentence, he says, nothing short of positive success can satisfy the true minister of Christ. His plans may proceed smoothly and his external machinery may work steadily, but without actual fruit in the saving of souls, he counts all these things as nothing. Mm-hmm. And l- let me let me bring this back to scripture real quick. Because when I read this, these questions, uh, my mind was drawn to 1 Peter 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and, and a partaker of also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing, not under compulsion, but willingly according to God, not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness. Eagerness. Is it a, is it a something, I like the way he says, is it, is it your chief joy? Mm-hmm. Is, is, it, is it the reason, apart from, apart from your own salvation, is it your chiefest joy? Is it the reason you exist? The reason your feet hit the floor every day, every day, and um, is it your aim and everything you do? I like the way he says, uh, "Is it is it where you live, walk, and speak? Is it is it is it because of this that you pray, toil, fast, and weep? Shepherd the flock with eagerness, with eagerness." Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> hey, I. Uh... Uh, I love the Georgia Bulldogs as much as the next uh, UGA fan, but uh, I can do without, you know, if, right. if that means on a Saturday, um, I, I, I get to do something, let's say, um, evangelize or something, right? I can do without Sunday football. I can do without those things. There are more preachers and more pastors who've given themselves that title, who will wear their voices out screaming at a television than oh, they yeah. will 
that they would they would rather wear, wear their voices out screaming at a television than wear their voices out urging souls to repent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's good. You should put that on Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure one of those two guys would say something and argue with me. Um, but but that's that's so true, especially when, when we look at the atmosphere of church today, because you have people that will show up late to church, but then leave early to get to get the good spot to tailgate at the football game. Yeah. And then they'll stay late, right, at the football game. Yep. Or they'll skip church to go to the travel ball game. Mm-hmm. Right now, let me tell you as, as a guy that played travel ball, that played high school ball, that played college ball, you don't need the travel ball. Get rid of it. Okay. Out of, first of all, travel ball is not even what it was anymore. Anyway, it's just glorified rec ball now. Okay. That's very true. Everyone, everyone wants to play travel and every, Second of all, it's it's way too expensive anymore anyway. Right. Third, there's only going to be about out of out of every kid playing travel ball, realistically, there's only going to be so many that even get drafted. Okay? Right. Um let's let's focus <laughs> on something that's actually going to have eternal weight for our soul. Yes, sir. And it's not the travel ball. Yes, sir. And I tell you that as someone who grew up playing travel ball, was in a different state every every weekend, was at a different field every weekend. Okay. Yep. We don't we we don't need it. Okay. There are more important things than travel ball, and that is the soul, especially the soul of your children. Bro, bro, bro. And 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 let me tack on to that. Because if if you start saying those things are more important than the body of Christ and communing with the body of Christ and corporate worship with the body of Christ, you start saying other things like football games and travel ball and all this is more important, then your kids are going to grow up thinking those things are more important and 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 the body of Christ is not. Yep. And and now you've you've messed them up. Um actually biblically right the most important thing is christ right how about let let's start let, let's start uh let's start i don't know bible studies monday tuesday wednesday thursday right instead of baseball practice or basketball practice or football monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday how about bible study monday t- oh well we can't do that why not you have all this time to play all these dumb sports okay and and you have no time for the word of God. What are you saying is more important? Right. Well, and, and but then you look around and you see, and I'm I'm actually I'm glad you said that because this is actually a good segue to something that Horatius says in here. Then you actually what you end up seeing is you end up seeing these these Christians who are blown to and fro. They're feathery, as Thomas Watson would say. Right. Mm-hmm. right, they're blown all over the place. They they wrestle with doubt. They wrestle with uh, with fear, anxiety, um, and uh, and, and there is one true resting place and that resting place is Christ. So if for the, for the, for the pastor, for the dad, for the mom, for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, l- listen to this, the one true goal or resting place where doubt and weariness, 
the stings of a pricking conscience and the longings of an unsatisfied soul will all be quieted is Christ himself. Not the church, but Christ. Not doctrine, but Christ. Not forms, but Christ. Not ceremonies, but Christ. Christ, the God-man, giving his life for ours, sealing the everlasting covenant, and making peace for us through the blood of his cross, Christ, the divine storehouse of all light and truth, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians 2, 3. Christ, the infinite vessel filled with the Holy Spirit, the enlightener, the teacher, the quickener, the comforter, so that of his fullness we have all, all, all we received and grace for grace, John 1, 16. This, this alone is the vexed soul's refuge. It's rocked is rock to build on. It's home to abide in till the great tempter be bound and every conflict ended in victory. Period. Close quote. Christ. Why do you study doctrine and theology? Christ. He is the goal. He is the goal. And so that's, that's, I love that. I love that. I highlighted that whole thing. Now this, <laughs> this next section is incredibly important. It's a meet opinion with truth. And if there is a message that our world needs today, it's this, is to meet opinion with truth. And, and Horatius here is, is encouraging, encouraging the minister. He says, it is not by opinion. It is not by opinion that we are to meet opinion. It is the truth of God that we are to wield and applying the edge of the sword of the spirit to theories of man, which he proudly calls his opinions, make him feel what a web of sophistry and folly he has been weaving for his own entanglement and ruin. It is not opinions that man needs. It is truth. It is not theology. It is God. It is not religion. It is Christ. It is not literature and science, but the knowledge of the free love of God is the gift of his only begotten son. Yep. And how many, like, how, how much opinion, opinion do you find mm-hmm. coming from the pulpit? And then of course, there'll be those out there who say something like this. And you and I have heard this. Well, our interpretation is, is, is fallible. You know, our interpretation of scripture isn't infallible. We're, we're going we're gonna to get stuff wrong. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the minister, the minister should show, and, and, and the Christian, I mean, these, these aren't just rules for ministers, rules for Christians, for, for those who profess faith in Christ should be craftsmen, workmen, diligently studying the scriptures so that we're able to verify what, what, what is there to verify that our interpretation is right of these major truths we, uh, we, we see in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to, uh, another old preacher today. Um, he has passed away. So he is a dead guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Ravenhill. <clears throat> Ooh, yeah. And he was talking about Christ as the way, the truth and the life. Mm. And he said, Christ is the way because, Without it, we have no direction. That's right. Christ is the truth because without that, we have no knowledge. And Christ is the life 
because without that, we can't grow. Hmm. So we have, we have a path to follow. We have certain knowledge that we need, which is truth. And that mm-hmm. truth on this path helps us grow. Yeah. And he, he also added, he said, Christ as the way is external. Hmm. Truth is internal. And then the life is eternal. And so thinking about how all those things play out, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in, in everything of what you just read about what we, all we need is Christ. Mm. And, and, and we need, we need God. We need the truth of God. We need the truth of who Christ is. And we need the truth of who the living word is, right? It's, it's those things that direct our path the things that we should be guided by, which is truth, because those are the things that help us grow and, and, and lead us into eternity. Mm. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, next section, man, starts chapter two, saved yeah. and sanctified. The very first sentence. True, minister. true minister must be a true Christian. He must be called by God before he can call others to God. Okay, pause there. There are so many people who occupy the pulpits that believe themselves to be called of God when they're not. And it's evident. They're what Martin Lloyd-Jones would call pulpiteers. Yep. They're filling the pulpit. And they know how to work the crowd. They know how to move the emotions. They know how to elicit a a certain response, but they don't know how to deliver the word. They don't know how to hit the heart and inflame and move the will. They're pulpiteers. They're, 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 uh, They're posers is another good word. They're pretending. Yeah. Is another word. They're not called of God. They believe themselves called to be God. They try to show themselves as called by God by having these, these, these one-line quips, right? That that are tweetable, that that everyone loves, right? We see them with the Stephen Furtick's and the Louis Giglios and all those things. Yeah. <clears throat> but these are men that are not actually called of God. Why are they not called of God? Because they don't hold to the word of God as sufficient and they don't magnify Christ and they don't bring forth the gospel. And it, it it would lead you to believe in listening to a lot of their sermons and a lot of their sermons are what they're Mm self-focused. They're not Christ exalting. Mm -hmm. And it leads you to wonder, are they true Christians? Because the true Christian minister, who is a true Christian, can do nothing but exalt Christ. Mm. It's a very simple. It's a very simple concept. It's a very simple truth. You would think, Uh, right? The the minister, the under shepherd, is a mouthpiece, mm-hmm. a slave. 
not to your own whims, um, wealth, reputation, to an extent. Um, but you're called to be a slave of Christ and a messenger sent to deliver the king's me- the, the king's message. You are a herald, not a hireling. Mm-hmm. You are you are to be a slave of Christ, not a slave to yourself. I mean, it's it's not difficult. You're to be a slave of Christ and a slave to those in your care. Mm-hmm. Period. Like I I don't. Yeah, and and being a good orator does not mean you're called by God. No, no. I, so, I mean, it's I, I I heard a I heard a scrolling through Facebook today, and I heard a pastor of a church around here, very seeker sensitive. You know, you drive by their church on a on a you know on a on a little little highway here in town, and you know they they are all the time exegeting movies and unpack you know. Uh, uh, all the time bragging about how many salvations they had on, on, on any given Lord's day. And, and this guy is the, the preachers saying, um, you know, uh, don't, don't talk so much about the truth, just love. That's what Jesus did. Jesus just loved. That's what yeah, he did said. He, did he say that in his tight muscle shirt? He did. Yeah. His tight muscle shirt and his, shirt and his ripped jeans. And, which he's wearing a tight muscle shirt, but he's not very muscular. Which is weird because he used to be in the gym all the time. Yeah. Anyway, um, not the point, <laughs> but good point. Um, you know, but but it's no that that's not it. Jesus didn't just love Jesus. Jesus came to show us the Father, mm-hmm. and and Jesus had some some rebukes, some strong words and admonishment for those. Well, what did pretenders. he say to the woman at the well? about worship those who worship him must do so in spirit, spirit and in truth and in truth spirit is location truth is right. the manner right. so right. everything we we do we must do in a manner of the within the truth of who god is right there, there's no there, there's no focus on holy living there's no focus on uh you know anything like that like i was listening to a, uh <laughs> came up on on just a feed today on on youtube i was trying to find something for noah and uh uh, you know, a podcast that I I told you about um, that uh, I don't know why I torture myself and listen to parts of it, but I, I did. And the guy on there was just talking about, I used to be one of these guys who I would just, you know, I had to follow all these rules and now it's just like grace, just walk by the spirit, just grace and walk by the spirit. And I'm like, okay, but how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to walk by the spirit, if you want to submit to the spirit, there's one way to do that. Obeying the word. Mm-hmm. that's how you do that. You obey the word of God, not because you think God's going to give you favor, not because you think that you not, not because you're trying to earn favor with God, that, that is, that is paid for that. That's, that's Christ, right? That's Christ's blood at the cross. That's Christ imputed life that, that has been credited to our account. Um, but how do you do that? By the word of God, by holy living. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when I, when I hear some of this stuff or when we hear some of this stuff today, like I mean, it's for the most part you can really tell the the pastors and preachers, and this is this is where it really started getting convicting for me. It's like I told you, man, this was the section where I I was writing, ouch, and I need to repent, and 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 I spent some time in this section because listen listen to what 
what I mean, Horatius is quoting here. But he says, I ought to pray before seeing anyone. And um, and and he said, he said, often when I sleep long or meet with others early and then have family prayer and breakfast and forenoon callers, it is 11 or 12 o'clock before I begin secret prayer. This is a wretched system. It is unscriptural. Christ rose before the day and went into a sol- solitary place. And then uh, just a few sentences down, he says, I feel it far better to begin with God, to see his face first, to get my soul near him before it is near another. It is best to have at least one hour alone with God before engaging in anything else. At the same time, I must be careful not to not to reckon communion with God by minutes or hours or by solitude. And he's quoting Robert Murray McShane right there. Mm-hmm. But this was convicting for me, man. You know, this is in, in reading this a few weeks back, man, this, this section, I, I completely changed the way I structure my day now, honestly, because, because as so you, know, you somebody, mean, it argued with you. Yes, it did argue with me. Uh, Horatius Bonar, who died in the 1880s, argued with me. Um, uh, <laughs> so I, uh, man, I, I've, I've completely changed the way I, I, I structured my day because this was convicting. It's like, how many times do I get up and I work from home? So it's, you know, I, I make the long journey, you know, in traffic and that traffic being my son's Hot Wheels cars down the hallway to my office, <laughs> you know, it's so easy just to, just to sleep in a little longer and, uh, and then just get up, roll out of bed, throw on a shirt, throw on a hat and go to work, you know, um, instead of waking up with and, and starting the day with intentionality and in secret prayer, you know, alone with, with my Bible, not with another book, not with the devotional, with the word of God and, and reading the word and praying the word and pouring my heart out to the Lord and then allowing him to direct my thoughts mm-hmm. before the day begins, before I talk to another person. Um, and, uh, and so brother, this whole section was, was wildly convicting for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, he even gets into, how when you neglect that it also affects your preaching absolutely man. <clears throat> because he, he says here he says we are weak in the pulpit because we are weak in the closet mm-hmm. and we have a lot of weak pulpits yeah yeah and, i didn't complete my thought but that's what i was getting at when i was talking yeah. about prayers so you can tell you mm-hmm. can tell when you when you hear maybe a, a preacher or a sermon for the most part where the preacher hasn't really communed with God mm-hmm. through his preparation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, another, that last paragraph of that first section, um, you know, I, I, I wrote out to the side, this was convicting um, because can this be said of, of my area where I work and, and, and have my office and study time and, and uh, said the walls of his chamber were witnesses of his prayerfulness. I believe his tears as well of his cries. The pleasant sound of psalms often issued from his room at an early hour, then followed by the followed the reading of the word for his own sanctification. And few have so fully realized the blessing of the first psalm. Uh, man, this was man, super convicting. Um, 
super convicting to me. Um, can can the walls of my chambers be said of the same? And I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. But um, but man, as someone who interacts with people, leads a family, can this be said of of my chambers? You know, can can the can the uh, can the sound of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and um, be 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 found uh, on the walls of my chambers? Can do, do, does my copy of God's word contain tears as I'm reading through as the Lord is sanctifying me? Um, in time of prayer, talking about family, right? Sharing the gospel with family and pleading them to repent. I mean, if if I have a prayer journal and I'm writing their names in there, I, I'm not saying it has to be this way. Please don't understand. Please understand that. I'm just I'm just saying. Does it does is this the type of devotion that you have where where the the, the pages of of those journals and um and and those prayers are those prayer times and and what you're writing are they stained with tears as you're crying out and pleading with the Lord to save and to sanctify. Uh, not just you, but those in your care. Mm-hmm. So it was, man, incredibly, incredibly convicting section. Bro, this is going to be a really long episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah, we sure. Might. Well, I mean, he, yes and no. He, um, because he gets into, you know, this, this middle section when, um, when they really start, like when he starts uh, getting into, the confessions of the shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wasn't really going to go over those too much, uh, but we can split it up into two parts if we need to, man. Oh, I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying, we're like, we're on page six. We're on page six, <laughs> and and we've been going for what an hour and a half or something like that. Something like that, like an so, hour, I think. <clears throat> like we've been going for a while, yeah. um, but that's. But that just goes to show you how much of an impact these six pages can have on you. Six pages. Six pages. Six pages. And, it, and how long did it take us to actually re- get to where we were going to record this episode? Right? Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? um, now, and, and there's, there's just so much to cover because you can literally cover every single section almost every paragraph have be a 30 minute section on this yeah yeah well and we've already we've already talked about that that next section that study the speakers not the sermons um and we've already kind of talked about that a little bit but um he says there in that first paragraph uh it is living fellowship with a living savior which transforming us into his image fits us for being able and successful ministers of the gospel mm-hmm. right it's um it's 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 time with the lord it's walking with god it's fellowship with him through the word through prayer um that that makes any minister successful mm-hmm. um and 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 again you can you can tell you can tell when that when that hasn't been been the case um you can tell when 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 there are those of us, and I say us, uh, just as as speaking as believers as a whole, who you know y- you can tell um, from the fragrance of their life, and I don't mean by <laughs> the cologne they use, or hopefully, yeah, you don't because that stuff's awful for you. Um, but I mean that that fragrance that seems to come from, and and, and Horatius gets into this from nearness to Christ, nearness and intimacy uh, to Christ, and and an assimilation of of Christ character. Um, 
you know, so you, you can, you can tell, you can tell when that happens, when that takes place. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where do you want to jump to next with, uh, with this book? What about the, I mean, I, I highlighted the title of chapter three, mm-hmm. dangers of ministerial professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's a man. Ministerial professionalism. I think of Piper's book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals, right? <laughs> great, uh, great, great book. Uh, fantastic section. Um, when, when it comes to the desire to be professional from a business sense, but not in the business of winning souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, we, we see that a lot today, right? We see the business of church. I remember being on staff at a church where the elders uh, were nothing but hirelings and yes men and viewed the pastor as the quote unquote CEO. And that's what they actually said. Uh, I remember there was a meeting that we had because there were there was some division within the church. And the reason that there was division is because of truth. You know, truth draws a hard line and um, and there should be, we should divide over truth. Um, we absolutely should, you know, to keep, to keep truth is of, is of greater importance than to keep peace. JC Ryle said, um, and, uh, brother, there was a group of men sitting around a table and the pastor was like, Hey, I want you to go everyone and just find a passage of scripture that talks about unity and we're going to read it. And so he's asking people to go cherry pick scripture and read these verses. And one of the elders brother, I kid you not, I'll never forget this. He said, well, we should just do what so-and-so says the pastor that's what he said we just do it do what he says and everybody was just talking about i mean pontificating about unity 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 and finally i spoke up um and my brother-in-law was there by the way um so fun yeah and uh i said you know yeah yeah i said it's great talking about unity but we have to define what we're unified around and and we and 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 it doesn't you know yes we're unified around Christ we're unified around the gospel, um, but we need to be specific. We need to be specific. This is the bride of Christ we're talking about. This is Christ's bride, not ours. So we need to be specific and define, and 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 be willing to have some 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 good division and tension because of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was all about professionalism. That's yeah. all it was. It was ministerial professionalism. Uh, well, I mean, that- you see today a lot of churches because they they want to have a retention rate of people <clears throat> come who come to their church, right? They want them to keep coming back. Yeah. So they hire and pay good money for consultants to come into their church and tell them what's wrong aesthetically with their church. Well, you need a sign here. You got to direct here. You got to have this here because it's, it's going to be welcoming to people and people are going to like that and stuff. Like I remember that scripture where Paul was like, Hey, make sure you get your consultant in there to have your building (laughs) set up just right. Um, actually, I think that, uh, that Paul would write another rebuke letter. I think he, I think he would. I, I, I think, I, in fact, I know he would, um, he absolutely would, but 
<clears throat> but but I mean, just staying on the topic of professionalism. So, and the idea of church as a business, we see that so so much, so much more often. So so we see it more often. There we go. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, um, where people are running churches like businesses, and then they'll say, "But the church isn't a business." Well, we know that, but you're still running it like one. So much so that even you have pastors now who are getting who are getting extra degrees in business. Why? So that they can better um, use the church and uh, the church isn't yours to use. Well, well, what, what am I? What's the word I'm I'm thinking of? Um, the using the church as a vehicle. Yeah. Right. Like so, you have your publishing company out of your that with your church's name on it, you have your branding with your church's name on. Oh, if someone brings this in and it's not with the church, we can't use it in our church. Well, we're no, we don't want it. We we, we don't want to pair with you, but we're going to steal your idea and use it as ours. Anyway, you know, know, we've, we've seen that that earlier. Yeah. We've, we've seen that happen. Um, like, Hey, I'm all for vote. Like if you want to have a publishing company, go for it. Right. Jeff Johnson does it. Grace. Right. Free grace. Grace. Yeah, Free Grace Press. He's got a um, and, th- and and he started that as a means to help fund the church, but he doesn't use that as a means to help fund himself. And so we see a lot of these business ventures come from churches as a means to fund the pastor. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and now we see, oh my goodness, man, <laughs> I. I'm trying to think of how many, how often Puritan pastors took sabbaticals, right? Um, or two or three months sabbaticals, or the when Paul took one, you know. Um, trying to remember, I I can't, but you know, it, it's on. Which which, you know. I, Look, man, I'm not a, I, I, I'm not necessarily against it, but but the only time I'm actually against it is when you're not actually doing any work that requires it, or it, it's means right. it's correct. Yeah. That's the I, thing. I mean, it's like, one thing, right? It, so once a year, you know, we were talking about MacArthur earlier. You know, usually in the summertime, John takes the summer off, mm-hmm. um, goes and 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 he's he's just 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 with family and he's recharging. But he, he's he's 82 years old. Yeah. Right, he's been been running the 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 race of being a a the the pastor, teacher, and shepherd of Grace Community Church for fifty plus years. I I, I mean, okay, well, and 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 the man is is still putting in the work. Um, yeah, th- that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those who take multiple vacations and sabbaticals a year, who pay themselves, pay, pay, pay for their everything. And, you know, they, they, they treat, they treat it as a business um, instead of, you know, a a place to be an overseer of the flock of God. Yeah. Um, And they reward themselves instead of understanding that their eternal reward um, is, is given by Christ. That's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving so, on yes yeah, so much more <laughs> anyway um 
and and and, we, and and that gets in maybe the next section we could talk about here. You know, skipping over to page ten. You know, for God's glory and man's good. He says, um, he says, how refreshing the lives of those who lived only for the glory of God and for the good of souls. There is something in their history that compels us to feel that they were ministers of Christ, true watchmen, true watchmen, not, not pulpiteers. Go ahead. And, and I'm just going to say, and that's why we read the dead guys. Yeah. That's yeah. why. Yeah. You, you can take that, that phrase right there and you could just sum up, hey, why do you read the dead guys? That phrase right yeah. there. That's it, man. That's it. Um, you know, the very next page, he he, he said he. Th- there's a quote here at the end of this paragraph uh, that is amazing. Fire, as Owen Strand would say, bring in the smoke. Quote: To talk of submission to God's sovereignty is one thing, but really to submit to it is another and quite different thing. Mm-hmm. Very close. Yeah. Well, that just all that do, that that goes back to what I said about right getting the gospel right, but then having a life that demonstrates it has been changed by the gospel. Yeah, because it it will demonstrate one that has been submitted to it, rather than one that just speaks about being submitted to. That's it. right. Yep. 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 Um. So flipping over uh, a couple of pages, page 12, um, covering falsehood with truth. Um, you know, he, uh, and he, let's see, the first pair, I mean, this whole section I blocked out. Yep. I'm not going to read the you whole know. section. Um, <laughs> but, oh, man, starting in paragraph two. He that saved our souls has taught us to weep over the unsaved. When was the last time you did that? Mm -hmm. Lord, let that mind be in us that was in thee. Give us thy tears to weep for, Lord, our hearts are hard toward our fellows. We can see thousands perish around us and our sleep never be disturbed. No vision of their awful doom ever scaring us. No cry from their lost souls ever turning our peace into bitterness. Our families, our schools, our congregations, not to speak of the cities at large, our land, our world, might well, what was that? Send us daily to our knees. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um, For the loss of even one soul is terrible beyond conception. Eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man. What soul in hell must suffer forever? Lord, give us bowels of mercies. What a mystery. The soul and eternity of one man depends on the voice of another. Ouch. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wrote. Yeah. Is ouch. That reminded me of Luke 6. You know, Luke, Luke 6, when speaking of the rich man, right? Rich man and Lazarus, um, go, go to my family tell them you know um tell them what uh what 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 i'm experiencing tell and warn them um man when was the last time we did that yeah what you got me you know you said ouch i'm over here thinking continual open wound right Mm. is 
because you think about because we all have family members. Yeah. Um, we we all live in cities mm-hmm. that that are just full of unsaved people mm-hmm. and just the depravity. We turn on TV um, and we see depravity at large. Yeah. And yet a lot of times we're still conditioned to just sit and indulge. Um, whether it be music, movies, TV shows, yeah. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's one of those things that go, who's going to be the man that steps up and says, okay, no. Mm. Right. To be in Christ. Therefore we must repent. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because I love you. I'm going to snatch you away from the flame. Um, I mean, it's just, <clears throat> it's convicting. <laughs> it's very convicting, man. It's very convicting. <laughs> cause you, cause again, it's a fillet to the heart and it, it reveals yourself to you because mm-hmm. it goes, okay, have I, have I thought about this? When, how often do I speak up to the non-believer? about the things of Christ, yeah. about sin. How often do I neglect that and then engage in whatever non-profitable conversation is taking place? Mm. Right? Mm. More often than not. And then guess what? There is, there is no crying for the lost soul. Mm. I'm not up at night. Thinking, sleep's not oh, been disturbed. Yeah, my sleep has not been disturbed thinking that I missed a moment. But yeah. it should. Yeah. I should be wide awake. Mm-hmm. I should be going, I had an opportunity and I missed it. Lord, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. Yeah, man. Wow. Um, chapter four. Chapter four, man. He gets into, man, this, this first section. Now, chapter uh, four is... Even if you just got this and say you got this book and the only thing in it was chapter four. Yeah. Yeah. It's still very profitable. Oh, very. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah. Oof. Starts out by talking about, you know, oh, man, um, <clears throat> humble acknowledgement of, of the sins of, of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, so this uh, is where he oof. begins to pull yep. from those, yep. those Scottish uh, pastors in 1651. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so he 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 gets he <laughs> he gets here. Um, he says, "Light." He's quoting, um, "Lightness and profanity in conversation, unsuitable to that holy calling which they did intend, not thoroughly repented of." Mm-hmm. Now, now well, here, he gets into that here a little bit later, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll hear when he says profanity. So immediately we think about language. Right. Correct. But he's no, not, spe- he's not speaking about language. Nope. Um, what he means is a lack of respect. Yes. In the conversation. Correct. So lightness and a lack of respect in the conversation. Yep. Um, unsuitable to a holy calling. So you're not, so you, you're, you have the calling of minister, but you're, you're treating it as though it's nothing Mm -hmm. by the way that you talk. Yep. Yep. 
Well, and he he gets into the next section on entrance of on the ministry. It thus speaks. And then the second sentence here, entering to the ministry, not from the love of Christ, nor from a desire to honor God and gaining souls, but for a name and for a livelihood in the world, notwithstanding a solemn declaration to the contrary at admission. Mm. And, and we, we've seen that a lot in the church planting movement from the late nineties and early two thousands. You can go off the list of those church planters yeah. who were doing it just for the name, just for the livelihood, yep. just for the money. They rose to fame really quickly. A lot of those guys rose to fame really quickly. And now guess what? They're either disqualified or they're no longer in ministry. They're no longer actually believers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, so on page 15, um, there's something I, uh, I wrote a couple exclamation points out next to, um, fruitless conversing ordinarily with others for the worse rather than for the better foolish jesting away of time with impertinent and useless discourse, very unbecoming the ministers of the gospel. Spiritual purposes often dying in our hands when they are begun by others. Carnal familiarity with natural, wicked, and malignant men, whereby they are hardened, the people of God stumbled, and we ourselves blunted. Mm. How often have we talked about that? We've talked about that a bunch in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But we've, we've also got... Matter of theology episodes dedicated yes. specifically to that topic. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And we were we were actually just talking about this yesterday too. Um. And it's this uh, this last last sentence here: carnal familiarity yep. with natural, wicked, and malignant men, whereby they are hardened. Yep. So, so they're. So they're they're men who are not in Christ. Their hearts are hard towards Christ, but because you're engaging with them in their way of engaging, carnal familiarity, all right? You're only hardening them more. That's right. You're helping to assist them further from Christ. That's right. And then to tack onto that, the people of God, when you engage in that, the people of God stumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we ourselves blunted. And you think about, you think about an instrument, right? I uh, just got this today. It's um, others can't see it, but it's a, it's a dagger. Okay. So one of those a, belt daggers. Yeah. So it comes with a sheath that, yep. So, but what's cool about this one is it's non-metallic. Okay. And the sheath, there's no metal in it. So <laughs> you have a way to defend yourself if you're in a place where, you know, there are metal detectors and so on, so on and so forth. But, but I think about the, the point of this, like if I were to take this right now and if I were to grab it and jam it into my desk, it would blunt the tip of this dagger. Mm-hmm. This dagger would, this dagger would then lose usefulness. 
it would lose uh, a, a, a sharpening. It would, uh, it would require more force to be effective. Mm-hmm. And so when we familiarize ourselves with the things of, with carnal things, if we hold on to um, the, the things of the flesh, um, like you said, it, uh, it hardens those, those people further. It causes the people of God to stumble. And we ourselves as ministers of the gospel, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are blunted. We become blunted instruments at that point, less effective, less effective in what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just thought about that when you were saying that, but, um, skipping down lovers of pleasure more than God, the last paragraph here, brother, the last sentence, not cherishing godliness in the people mm-hmm. and some being afraid of it and hating the people of God for piety yep. and studying to bear down and, and quench the work of the spirit amongst them. So, you know, what came to my mind. I do. <laughs> what? Go ahead. I know it came to your mind. I'm pretty sure I know it came to your mind, but go ahead. Halloween. Yep. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> because there are people that the more they grow immature in the word of God, in holiness, in understanding the word of God, <clears throat> they they start to view other things differently. Mm-hmm. Things such as like Halloween. Right. And the the pagan roots of Halloween and what Halloween actually means. And by the way, if you want a resource on Halloween, our friend from Apologetics Live, uh, Justin Pierce, one of his seminary papers, he actually published into a small little book that you can get. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's, hold on. I'll, I'll get the name of it real quick because I want to give him credit where credit's due. It's called Halloween Under the Light of Scripture uh, by Justin Pierce. You can get it on Kindle. It's super cheap. Um, I think it's only like a dollar or something like that, maybe $2. So I don't know. Um, but, but he goes through the origins of Halloween and things like that. And, and I've seen, I've seen it. You've seen it Mm -hmm. where there are people that have real, and I mean, very real conviction. That's right. About Halloween. Yes. And from the pulpit, they're belittled by mm-hmm. basically saying you just need to get over it. Yep. And what is that? That is this right here. Yep. A studying to bear down and quench the work of the spirit amongst them. The spirit brought them to a place where they were actually convicted about things of Halloween and a pastor in order to side. We're not with, being hypothetical. This happened. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is real. I have this in a in a letter that I wrote to this pastor. Um, I didn't send it, um, but I wrote out this letter and I talked about this thing specifically where I said, maybe they're more mature in their walk with Christ than you are. Right. Because he's not cherishing the godliness, the godly growth in the people. And instead he's quenching it. He's threatened by it. He's afraid of it. He's threatened by it. And why? Because he likes the thing that they're coming to find out is actually pagan. 
Right. He wants to indulge and engage in the thing that they're growing out of, that they're moving away from. Yeah. And so because I can't have people in my congregation going, oh, well, this is actually a bad thing. This is actually mm. a pagan thing. We actually don't need to be engaging in this. There are some people who still want to celebrate Halloween and we should just let them and blah, blah, blah. Because I need to cater to those people. I'm going to belittle these other people who are actually right. growing in holiness and in, 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 in Christian piety. Now you're the stumbling block, right? Yep. And really, you become, here's what you become. You become back on page chapter four, page 14, um, refined hypocrisy, hypocrisy, desiring to appear what indeed we are not. Yep. Studying more to learn the language of God's people than their exercise. Artificial confessing of sin without repentance, professing to declare iniquity and not resolving to be sorry for sin. We've seen that. Mm. No reformation after solemn acknowledgement of private vows, thinking ourselves to be exonerated after confession. But that just goes to show you have to actually understand yourself to be wrong and sinful in an area. Yep. And if you believe yourself not to be wrong and sinful in an area, like let, now moving forward to a place where you're actually belittling people and you're quenching the work of the spirit in them, that's sin. Yep. Yeah. And, and the only way you want to quench it is for your own selfish desires. Yeah. Mm. Bro. Uh, amen. Uh, sinful attitude towards opponents. Mm-hmm. Page sixteen. This was this 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 was good, man. This was good. Um, you know, um, <laughs> I think you and I have been accused of this a few times, um, dude. I've probably been accused of everything. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'm just like, I don't it, care. Well, you know, and and, and it isn't. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and and that isn't it. It isn't that we're bitter towards opponents it's um it's that our desire is is to in and referencing um in referencing this book actually page 17 our desire is to make all the counsel of god known to his people mm-hmm. you know it, it it isn't um and, and when you when you see something is wrong you know think of that calvin quote even a dog barks when his master is attacked right mm-hmm. um uh when when you see something wrong that's that's done in opposition to scripture it's antithetical to scripture it's um um it's 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 our responsibility as believers not just pastors and preachers but our responsibility as believers to point that out to examine that um to judge that to use a to use a trigger word um and not not for the sake of condemnation but 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 for the sake of admonishment you know scripture is useful for rebuking and admonishing Second Timothy three, um, so so, but we need to make sure that we don't have a sinful, um, a sinful attitude, uh, a, a bit a bitter attitude 
um, towards opponents. And, um, you know, and, and one of the ways that he mentioned this here is he said, you know, making sure that, uh, and this was, again, I starred this cause I don't, I don't, I don't want this to be said of me or, or this to be my motivation too much eyeing our own credit and applause and being pleased with it when we get it and unsatisfied when it is wanting, mm-hmm. right? It's not about us. It's not about the credit that we get. Like I, how many times do I tell you, man, like I, I rarely check how many plays we get. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll glance at it, but it's not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's not about that. It's about yeah. how many times have I left the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> left the podcast. Well, but then left. Yeah. yeah. But, but basically how many times have I basically been like, all right, Chris, it's your thing. Like, yeah, do with it. <laughs> so like, just do whatever you want with it. Like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Like, and people I'm, I'm like, Hey, don't, don't, don't come to me. Like that's Chris thing. Go talk to Chris. Like, right, right, you know? Right. And, and so, but, but here, here's also the thing, right? Like people, people probably know that I started this podcast because you mm-hmm. tell them that I started this podcast. That's right. that's right. But people probably know you more from the podcast than they know me. But truth be told, I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, dude. I don't care. Hey, are you benefiting from whatever's being said by whoever's on it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you don't need to know my name. You don't need to know you don't need to know anything. I don't I don't need your praise. I don't need right. your clapping. I don't need your invite to whatever. Okay, just is it helping you grow in godliness? That's the only thing I care about. I, I could care less if you want to write me a great letter. Well, I mean, I, I'll be thankful for it. I should say that. Like, I should I shouldn't sound like I'm apathetic, but right, right, right. but you know, I'll be grateful and, and thankful. You know, but uh, but that's not the reason and the right. motivation yep. and the fact that I can just say, okay, I'm gonna walk away, right? I, all right, you know. <laughs> Because, I mean, people have said that you got, oh, you guys, you're just, you're just trying to be, trying to be famous or whatever. You're just trying to be out there and blah, blah, blah. And what, like, nope. No, I don't. Okay. If this podcast dies tomorrow, it dies tomorrow. Guess what? I still have a job to do. I still have to, have to work and and pay bills and put food on top. Because guess what? This podcast don't bring any money, dude. Negative. In fact, it eats money. Well, I mean, (laughs) well, it used to eat money. um, Not anymore. Not anymore that you got it on anchor, but it used to eat money. And I mean, but I mean, the stuff like the stuff we have, right? The microphones that we have cost money. Right? I bought all that stuff. And so it was like, but I was happy to do it because I felt we had something, a message that needed to get out. Yep. And yep. we've done it for three, three years. Wait. Yeah. In 2022. Yeah. Three years. Almost four. <clears throat> um, yeah, man. Absolutely. Well, and then, um, yeah, so, so people don't, don't ever come up to me and be like, and, and try to be like, oh, well, you just want to be famous and you just want to do this and you just want to no. do that. I'm going to be like, mm, go talk to people about how, how much I, I, I could care less if the podcast, I, that sounds so bad when I say it, dude, like no, no, if no. the podcast just dies tomorrow. Like I'd be like, uh, you know, okay. It doesn't sound bad. It doesn't sound bad. <laughs> but yeah. it's just like, like, I mean, cause I've got another podcast, right? It doesn't get as many plays here, but it's still, there's people that go, Hey man, that was really helpful. Mm. And I, and I don't advertise anything for it. Right. I don't, I I don't promote it anywhere. 
I don't do anything like that. It has a, it has a, an Instagram page. That's it. Yep. And every now and then I share something on that Instagram page, but everything, everything else is just whoever shares it to whoever. Yeah. Yep. That's it, man. That's it. Um, that's good, brother. Well, he gets in, man, just kind of moving through. Um, and then maybe, maybe try to wrap up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, we might want to wrap up. Be, you um, know, <clears throat> you know th- this is where they get into, uh, confessions of our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And he, he starts out by saying, let us, as they did, he's talking about the church of Scotland, 1651 deal honestly with ourselves. Our confessions ought to be no less ample and searching. Now I'm not going to go through these. Um, no, get the book and and you yeah, go. get the book. Yeah, get the book and go through them. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I, I will just briefly read the sections. Okay. We have been unfaithful. We've been carnal and unspiritual. We have been selfish. We have been slothful. We have been cold. We have been timid. We have been wanting in solemnity. Solemnity. We have preached ourselves, not Christ. Wow. We have used words of man's wisdom. We have not fully preached a free gospel. We have not duly honored the word of God. We have not been men of prayer. We have not honored the spirit of God. We have had little of the mind of Christ. And wow, man reading through these confessions, <coughs> excuse me, incredibly convicting for me, man. Uh, you should see, ouch, I understand. <laughs> uh, wow. Been there. May it never be. Uh, these are just, um, you know, when was the last time I said this? When was the last time you heard this? These are needed questions. Um, and then, um, and then man, chapter five, that they, they get into some, some resolutions, Right. Um, and, uh, man, um, just, just moves through and and talks about reaping a great harvest and preaching to plague victims. Uh, um, and, um, man, just, uh, just ends with this section, uh, ready to tremble and how he ends. Uh, I just, I just want to read this and, uh, and brother, and then we'll have some closing thoughts, but he says, we must be more in earnest. We must be more in, in earnest if we would be less than hypocrites. We must be more in earnest if we would finish our course with joy and obtain the crown at the master's coming. We must work while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Mm. So amazing. Uh, I, I want to get the full version and see what else they had to say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is where revival starts. Yeah. Oof. You know, revival doesn't come by preaching revival. It comes first with repenting of, of your own sin and mm-hmm. shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And then faithfully proclaiming the word of God. Yep. And ministering to Christ's sheep. Yep. That's where revival comes. Yep. And I mean, and that was the result in Scotland in 16, yeah. in the 1650s was it brought revival. revival. 
when the ministers came together and they confessed their sins to one another. Mm. They confessed their shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, today it's hard just to get a prayer meeting in a right. church. Right. Right. Because uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've just reached out to, we'll just say family members. And I've said, Hey, we just need to get together and pray. We yeah. need we need to pray for our families. We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our town. We need to pray for our country. Mm-hmm. We need to pray for just the body of Christ in general. Mm. And guess how many responses I get? Zero. Goose egg. Yeah. And what does that tell you about the supposed people of God? Is that they're not a praying people. Yeah is that they're not a, a, a people that think those things are important. Instead, it actually shows, it, well, the, the ones I'm thinking of, it is an escapist mentality. It's a, oh, well, Christ is coming back soon. We don't need to engage in any of that. And that's the wrong mentality. We're here to do something. Mm. And so we need to repent of that. Yeah. The escapist mentality that says, oh, well, Christ is coming back. There's, there's no need for me to do anything. You know, he'll sort it all out. I'm going to, I'm going to be here when Christ comes so I can go, so I can be raptured up to heaven and I can get my crowns and I can, you know, I can just live in my mansion and I'm, I know exactly how I'm going to decorate it and all these things. It's like, no, stop. You're thinking about yourself, right? Like you care not about the lost. Yep. Yep. And, 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 the, the great commission given by Christ is clear. Go and make disciples. Therefore, you must engage with the lost. That's right. You must weep over the lost souls. You must actually seek the lost and give them the gospel and not just love them, right? So that you hope they might choose Christ. You can't love anyone into heaven. Mm. You can only love them into hell apart from the gospel bro you have to we have to put our pride aside and actually talk to people about sin call them out of sin give them the gospel and say this jesus saves and guess what he is a friend of sinners come on man and we're so afraid to do that because we're we 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 love ourselves too much, mm-hmm. and and most mm. of and because this, this is what I've been thinking about to just today, is because we it's not that we're afraid of pushing people further away from Christ. It's that we're afraid of what they're going to say about us and how they're going to. That's what it is, man. Mm. And so, man. There, there is this book is just it reveals where a lot of repenting needs to be done. Absolutely, man. Yep, yep. That's it, and, man. And especially, especially in pastors. Yeah. Well, it should start there. Mm-hmm. It should start there. It should be the chief example. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, yeah. Th- their desire should be to say, "Follow me as I follow Christ," as Paul did. Right. Right. Um, Brother, that's good, man. I don't. I don't have anything to add to that. I, that's um, amen and right on. Um, 
So get, get the book. I'll put a link uh, to where you can get it on Amazon. Uh, read through it, man. Send us, send us, uh, send us your thoughts. Let us know, uh, you know, how the Lord used that in your life. And um, if there's anything we can be praying for you about, you know, yeah. ap- after reading it, please, please do. Uh, so, and if you want, Hey, we'll do this. If you want, send us the quotes or screenshots of quotes or highlights or whatever, and how they impacted you. We'll put them on the Instagram yep. or, yep, or sure. on the Facebook page or whatever, and we'll share it. Um, if you want to write out a testimony or something, Hey, boom, send it. Yep. We'll get it out there. Absolutely. Um, so, Absolutely. and be on the lookout for, uh, dead guy reader society shirts that are coming as oh, soon as I get the new image. Like when, when I get them, like whenever I get them that, that night, I'm going to work on them, put them on, put them up on the store. Um, they're going to be awesome. Yeah. They're going to be great. They're going to be incredible. They're going to be awesome. So, Hey, thanks for, if you're still around, uh, <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. There were a couple of rabbit trails. Uh, on this one. So, um, but we love you guys and uh, thankful for you. We can be praying for you in any way. Let us know. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Dead Guide Reader Society. We love you and we will see you on the next one. The book discussed on today's show can be found through the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know by reaching out to us on our social media platforms or by leaving a review. And don't forget to visit our store where you can get your Dead Guy Reader Society t-shirt and promote the fact that you are a proud reader of the dead guys.